basically my life. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's, I, I don't even also speak like work and personal life. It's, no. It is just life. And I think anyone that does what we do understands that. And it's, and it's, and it's something that I just love. So I don't kind of separate it. That was Justin Dry, the founder and CEO of Vinamoco, an online business that's taken the snob out of wine snob and Justin has backbone. G'day everyone, I'm David Boy. Welcome to this week's episode of Backbone. I am the founder and managing director of Sequel CFO. Backbone is brought to you by Judo Bank. It has arrived. Finally, a bank dedicated to lending to small and medium businesses like yours. In this episode, Justin will talk about why he learned more by putting product into the market than talking amongst himself, how he built his business through community, and perhaps, maybe most importantly, how personal wins are sometimes more important than business wins. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, head to www.backbonepodcast.com.au and sign up to our newsletter. I'm here with Justin Dry from Vitamofo. We are at our startup grind in Melbourne. Um, all of the super, super A-graders said no to an interview with us. Guy, We're in Guy Kawasaki's green room. It's the size of my house. But Justin, you've taken time to have a chat to us today. Thanks for joining. A pleasure to be the only one that said yes. No, well, you're <laughs> not the only one, but Guy Kawasaki, I mean... I oh, know, it's pretty cool that we're sitting in his room. But, um, you know, you've got such a radio voice. Yeah, I'll put it on, don't I? Yeah, you, yeah. you're it's such not a radio... The, it's it's great. not your talking voice. Yeah, it's not your yeah. talking voice. You're no. fucking phony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, mate, there's <laughs> trillions of listeners out there. Yeah, We've got to entertain them, don't we? No, it's great. I like it. I don't like you it. have a bit of a voice that changes when you go in interview mode? No, I'm not that professional. Oh, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> the backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah. No, good, good. Mate, we're talking about Vinamofo. We're talking about growing companies. Um, there's no way if you're listening to this, you don't know who Vinamofo is. You're in the startup press and business press really, really often. We're going to have a very wide-ranging chat. Uh, the business had rapid growth. I want to start off with one question because I just heard you talk. Mm. So Vinamofo was sort of the fifth or sixth incarnation of an online wine business. And we all understand pivoting, we all understand changing business models. How do you fund yourself in the business through five pretty big changes? Not very well, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Not very well at all. Uh, what happened uh, was in our first year, the first one was called Quaff, and we literally um, made $50,000 in the entire year between two people with four expenses. And, and that was, it was my brother-in-law, so he's married to my sister. So Christmases were shit out, like, seriously. <laughs> like we had no money. Like you know, there's no profit in that. You know what I mean? Like you've got no, nothing. I so, noticed. so we yes, yeah, so we are like really poor for that first one. The second year was like a show, uh, like online travel show called Road to Vino. We probably doubled revenue, which is like a really great number. But you know, that's a hundred thousand dollars. You're not dropping the P word. You're not dropping the profit word. No, no, very no much, I'm, are I'm, you? I'm going to avoid that yeah. part of the conversation. So that was a pretty average Christmas that year too. Then there was uh, another one, um, what was that next? Oh, the Great Australian Wine Adventure, the mobile checking out. It actually was okay. And I think we you know, probably got to three or 400K or something. So starting to get better in the business side, uh, you know, as we pivoted those um, uh, business models. And then eventually the fourth one, which is kind of like an agency plus those other three that were all still operating, adding all those things together just meant um, we had okay revenue, decent revenue, and we're starting to be able to pay ourselves and those types of things. So up until that point, we were just really poor. There was no real, um, no real money around to play with, to be honest. Vinamofo's raised two rounds of twenty-five mil, or no, or one, one round of twenty-five. One round of twenty-five mil. That was in two thousand and sixteen. 
until up until that point, we hadn't uh, raised anything. And you're at sixty mil over sixty mil over sixty mil. Yeah. What are you doing for Christmas this year? Um, Christmas, we're having our first Christmas in Melbourne at my place, um, which is amazing. And it'll be the first Christmas I haven't gone back to Adelaide. Wow, um, it, it's slightly better Christmas than the ones <laughs> seven or eight years ago. Well, actually, that would have been ten years ago. Um, but yeah, no, just pretty pretty casual. It's been such a huge year this year. With travel um, and personal and professional stuff, it's just a massive year. Like you would not have. It's an intense year, so I just need to chill the hell out. And you got married this year. Yeah, uh, that was that was the highlight for sure. That was um, four weeks ago this Friday. So um, very recently, um, had a quick honeymoon. Had to get back for some work stuff. Uh, so we'll have another one next year at some point. But um, yeah, intense. So same all- woman or. <laughs> oh fuck yes, um, yes. Uh, the love of my life, Asha. Uh, uh, yeah, no, we'll do another one next year. This year, with work stuff and personal, it's super intense. And then kind of the, towards the end of it, which was the wedding, which was, you know, big and amazing and incredible experience. But just I need to chill out. So I'm like, I'm not traveling anywhere. It'll be the first time I spend Christmas in Melbourne. Wow. Not with um, flying, you know, to the different states that my families live in. And um, I'm just going to chill out because I need it. Um you're not a, running a small business anymore. 120 plus staff. I've heard you speak about how managing staff and culture becomes such an important thing. When does a startup just start to become a successful business? Well, I don't refer to myself as a startup anymore. Um, I, you know, Vino's been around for eight years, turning over significant money. It's, it's. I, I some people will call them scale ups. You know, I, I you know, I generally just refer to it as a business. Um, it's basically my life. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's, I, I don't even also split like work and personal life. It's, no. It is just life. And I think anyone that does what we do understands that. And it's, and it's, and it's something that I just love. So I don't kind of separate it. Um, when does it stop being a startup? I don't know. What's, what do people say? It's like five years and a certain amount of money. You know, I don't know. I don't, don't, know. I don't, I don't really think about those things. It seems like there's a lot of nonsense jargon around the startup community, isn't there? At the oh. end of the day, it's a business. It's a, it's a business. And, you know, there's 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 good kind of conversations that happen around startups and philosophies around that. You know, um, and that can also happen around business, but it seems startups a buzzword. And um, but it, at least it's good because the conversations are happening. You know, and and people are, are eager to learn. I think there's so many people though in this space because, as you said earlier, it's become like the you know the rock stars. You know, yeah. sports people and musicians they want to be entrepreneurs uh, and and are, and because it's the cool thing now. And there's so many people that potentially aren't even built for this, you know, and they, they think it's the thing that they should be doing because it's being talked about so much and it's the, you know. And they're miserable with what they're doing right now. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, there's, it's a grass is greener type. Yeah, exactly. And, and then there's the people that um, talk about it and, and um, don't often get to actually starting the thing. And then there's that rare breed that actually talk about it, do it, and it works. <laughs> oh, it has to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, if you can make five years in a business, you're, you're, you're a very successful person, really. So... Um, your the business grows. It's a big business, and then as you're growing, how does structurally the business and, and how do the position descriptions of like the key people change? Yeah, massively. And and how do you have those conversations with those people? Difficultly. <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> Is now. <laughs> Hang on, let me put it in my radio voice. Difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it is it is a difficult conversation that quite often has to happen around those things. The roles for me uh, in the Vino journey or the ones before that went from very generalist to specialist um, uh, over time. So we had, you know, our first developer um, engineer was a generalist, you know, hack stuff together quickly. 
Whereas as you grow that team, they become specialists, you know, front end, back end, whatever else. And then you look at your kind of managers, your leaders within the business, you know, Andre and I, when we started it, we were doing all things, you know, you had to do everything you couldn't, you know, um, it'd be over all the like finance and marketing and copy and, you know, all the stuff, content. And then, and so did the people around us because there was so much to do, but not enough people to specialize. And this is made harder in your business because somebody needs to be doing the wine tasting as well throughout. Yes, yeah, terrible this. job, terrible job. Um, that was the fun bit. Uh, but once you start trying 100 wines a day, every day of your life, um, it becomes less fun, liver, to be honest. As a liver. Or well, you spit gotta, it out. Yeah. Um, you spit it out mostly. So, um, and then you just, you just drink the good stuff. Uh, but, uh, well, say, but the generous, like say for example, you know, the general manager early in Vino Mofo, that role had to evolve. Um, because he was a, he was a generalist and he became a specialist in one part of our team, um, you know. So that's it. Just happens. You just have to. You know, the finance team of one is now a finance team of four, and they they have very different roles. Let's talk about that finance team of one because that one person was a very <laughs> important person in your life, wasn't it? Yes, it was my mother, um, my my beautiful mother. There's um, she because you know, Vina Mofa wasn't our first business as we said before, and quite a few of them. I had like a great business in my twenties and it. You know, went pear shaped. I've had like ups and downs along the way, but the one constant was my mum working for me for free. Because <laughs> you know, when you can't afford, you know, when you're earning yeah. fifty grand um, in the first year of Vino, uh, uh, oh sorry, that was Quaff, um, and that's before expense. You can't afford to pay anyone, so you know your family kind of comes together and helps out. So she had a full time job. She would come home at night and do our accounts for free. So this is a beautiful woman, like, just amazing. And you know, this was through thick and thin of what was going on in her life. You know, she. Had um, relationship breakdown, then she got cancer, and all like this awful, yucky, um, challenging times. All through it, through chemotherapy, my mum is going home after getting out of what she needed to do and doing our accounts. Like incredible. Um, yeah, so we love her, and uh, and so she did that for a number of years. One of the greatest days of my life was the day I could call her and say, "How much notice do you have to give on your other job?" Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And so she came on full time, and she tells me about this now. It's a really lovely um, kind of moment for both of us. She got off the phone and danced in her kitchen because she was so happy. And it was kind of one of those beautiful moments along the journey of um, being Yeah, the finance team's now at four now. You've got a full-time CFO. You've got all these bits and pieces. How did it go from your mum to... I said that really negatively, didn't I? <laughs> no, your yeah. mum. No, it's just, I just find it so funny that it's, um, she used to manage this, all of the finances, yeah. like all of them, up until it's quite a substantially, like very big business. And, uh, and she was doing a great job, and you know that's um, and that was kind of like a part-time role for her for free. She's, um, well, you know, she's got the pride and joy of her life that she gets to work with nine to five. Yeah, more as well. Oh, I don't, you know, I, you better ask her. You don't, you don't pay FBT on time with your children, so that's yeah. a good sign. Um, you've grown to four now, and I'm curious when you did your capital raise. Yeah, did your mum help you with the capital raise, or did you got in some some real expertise? Um, so we did. Uh, she did parts of it, like put together some of the things. We had um, our now CFO slash COO, Roel Krista, um, was heavily involved um, in that process, putting together the documents. Then we had outside help. Um, you know, you, we brought in, we work with Deloitte. Um, that's been our partner for a while now. They do our auditing as well. Um, at the time, we brought in a great solicitor as yeah. well. Like, there's a lot of people around yeah, that process. Yeah. It's one of those processes you go, oh, I should you know, be able to wrap it up in two, three months. <laughs> Six months later, you're going, please kill me. <laughs> did it distract you from growing the business? It does, absolutely. Like, it really does. And anyone who says it doesn't is, you know, is kidding themselves because you do have to spend a lot of time and energy. And this is like serious business when you're taking on that kind of money. Like, this is, the due diligence is huge. The, 
the, the files and the number of documents involved is incredible. The number of professionals that you have to pay <laughs> to be a part of this process is incredible. And the, the better the professional is, the better they know how to charge. Yeah, exactly. That's and you know what, sword. though? Um, we really did rely on some great people and it has made such a huge difference yeah. um, later on. You know, because we've been through two kind of um, that type of thing. We've only raised money once, but before that we got bought into um, by another player called Catch of the Day. They bought 70% of us um, and that's how we were going to scale to the next level. Um, we bought ourselves back a year later and the same guy, Jerry, the um, solicitor, uh, did the outside of both of those transactions. Yeah. And because of him, we were in a really good place. So it makes a huge did you, difference. Did you make money on that deal? Uh, no, we... You bought, in, it back as a, you bought it back for more than what you yeah, sold it for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, we can't put the money back. I was looking for one of those Alan Bond type No, no, no. It, I, I mean, it was, still, it was still a good deal. Because, um, it was still a good deal, but... Like when we sold out, we were like, "Yes, we've got some money." Like we took some money off the table and had our first proper decent Christmas. Yeah, and um, that's the that's the success driver, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I was like that's the KPI. Yeah, I was like, um, the first Christmas ever. Yes, um, that we can actually <laughs> afford to drink and eat well, and um, and then and when we bought it back a year later, we gave them all the money back. I was like, "Oh, fuck, we're poor again." <laughs> <laughs> back to Aldi turkeys. Yeah, and um, but it was so funny because the transactions switched over at like. June 30, July 1st, that yeah. was like, it's all your money till that point, July 1st is back to us, that when we bought it back. And we literally gave them all the money back, so we had nothing in the bank account. We had 13, 12 or 13 employees. Oh, see if I would have loved that oh, and, and, and we've got no cash. And so then we're, we're like re reloading the page at like 12.01 to see <laughs> yeah. a transaction, 12.02, I think 12.02 or 12.03, a transaction went through for like 230 bucks or something. And we were all like celebrating, going, yes. <laughs> they like quickly realized you had to earn another 20 grand to pay wages or something. <laughs> <laughs> do you think in terms of like how many liters of wine do I have to sell to get the X dollars? No, I, you know what? Um, I've never really thought about it. Now. Like, I know a lot of people when we talk to them, like, you know, if they're looking at investing or just like media, they're like, how many bottles do you sell? How many cases? Like it's not been that kind of thinking for me for some reason. Yeah, okay. um, I've looked at more numbers to be honest. Oh, good. Yeah. I, don't, they, they kind of I feel really weird saying that, but it's yeah. actually been that that's the case. Was that a journey for you to get on top of numbers? Was that a learning curve? Uh, I, oh, look, I studied accounting and economics. Um, well, that was my sub, some of my subjects, and I've always been a business guy, so I've enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, detail work, on the flip side, though, is not really my strength. Yeah. So I understand the numbers, and I've made sure I know the numbers. But I also, if I was doing what I was best at, it wouldn't be the numbers. Yeah. So I don't know. It's It's been hard to kind of... Focus. I've got like a. I think I've got a bit of a short attention span, to be honest, around numbers. I better start wrapping this up. Then. <laughs> the um, you're an investor. Yes. Now that that's the next rock star, isn't it? I'm an investor. So people put on their LinkedIn profiles, investor. Yeah, investor. Right? They, I think that just means they get pitched in their inboxes all the time. Yeah, probably. Like people probably. with crazy ideas. Yeah. You got a lot of investments. Yeah, I've, uh, I reckon it would be fifteen or twenty um, investments, and you know, some small, um, some in Australia, some international. I've, some have I've exited from um, one or two have been remarkably good, paid for my mistakes, um, and then there's a couple there that I've still invested in that are doing really well, which is fantastic. Um, but how do you choose what to put money into? Oh, to be honest, it's so funny, isn't it? So I, I started with just as friends approach me, um, you know, because um, the founder network's pretty tight yeah. in Australia, Melbourne particularly for me. And uh, so it was just friends pitching with new business ideas, you know, one like, you know, Clover, and it's, you know, one of my best mates, Darcy, is one of the founders of that. And, um, you know, Odd Up, which is based out of um, Hong Kong, which is a remarkably successful business now that's um, 
Um, he was a friend of mine, James. I actually, th- honestly thought you were about to say he's remarkably tax effective. <laughs> that's how my brain works. <laughs> no, it's a, it's, a, it's a remarkably good business and it's growing super fast and doing really well. I'm an investor in that and I got in on, uh, at the very start because James was a mate of mine. Um, so that was the start. And then eventually I was just getting more and more and more and I realized that I needed a bit of a process because it was taking way too much time. So I've been involved with um, Startmate now for a few years and it's just a great filtering process. You know, I still will invest in like a friend who's really close yeah. and do that conversation. But outside of that, I'm like, go start, mate. It's a great program. You get a, a community of the greatest founders and mentors out of any I've ever seen, like just tremendous bunch of people. And I'm one of those. I'm involved in it heavily. Right. Um, I've invested in quite a few of their funds. And that's, um, it's just a, it's a really well-run business. Let's talk about community a little bit because that's, so that you, you like the community part of that aspect, but you, a huge part of it was you know, having your mum in your business kind of boost community internally, but yeah. you've built this huge external community of complete strangers bound together by a love of the great. Yep. Um, how did that, I know it was very strategic to start it. Yeah. Were you surprised at how successful it was? Uh, I think I was surprised by how quickly, even though I talked about it um, early, as was the plan, I think I was surprised how quickly that scaled. Um, the referral thing is huge, like it, and you know, as you, you touched on, we we did it early, grassroots, ground up, one-on-one to one-on-20, one-on-100. You know, that's how we built Australia. That's how we built New Zealand and Singapore. And it's how we build businesses. That's the way I think about it. Get in, ground ground up, get to know the people. Um, and then uh, and then they kind of tell their friends and they feel part of the community. You're super connected to them. And it just scales really, really fast that way. Can you explain a bit more? One to one, one to 20. One to oh, so like, as in we were holding tastings and one person would turn up. You know, or like I went, I once did a talk in New Zealand, right? I, 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 I just did a, and you know, the next one's got five and 20, whatever. I did a talk in New Zealand when we launched it, you know, big deal in Australia, we're doing really well. And there was three people in the audience. And so, but I, it's super important to connect and engage with them and build it like that. And so then I was like, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for sticking around. And I was like, I'm pretty sure two of the three were speaking after me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but they probably still drink wine. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't matter. You know we had a great time. And and like I had drank wine with them um, and it was it was super fun. And you know what? They um, I don't know for sure, but I guarantee you they're probably mofos over in New Zealand. Um, and that's what we did. And I did a heap of those. And I've done that in every business and in every country that I've ever uh, started a business. Um, I read somewhere Singapore is doing really well. Phenomenally well. Them. Why? Um, look, I think there was a huge gap in the market. People were paying way too much money for wine, and we could fix that. And we um, we were one of the first to really focus on it. You know, everyone kind of, when you're looking at Asia, was generally going towards Hong Kong. There was heaps of players in Hong Kong, and um, there was a reducing number of expats, and expats are kind of our market early. Um, and uh, so then Singapore growing super fast, uh, and the expat community in Singapore is hugely um, in a growth phase. Because a lot of the finance, um, like the, the government's done a really good job over there of, of uh, bringing people in, and Hong Kong's sliding and Singapore's growing. So you had a growing market, completely underserviced, um, and paying way too much for wine. And so that's perfect for being a mofo. So that's landed there, it's going really well. We've gone in super hard on community, like we've done so many events there, and I know so many of our mofos over there. I've hung out with them, we've gone to dinner together, we drink way too much wine together, we've hosted events with them. And so I've got this great community of mofos in Singapore and they just tell their friends and it's a great service and the price is incredible. So you tick all those boxes and it's not rocket science as to why it's growing fast. You recently, um, you actually recently became the sole CEO of the company. Yeah. 
um, founders you've had co-CEOs for a long time and I must admit reading articles about it I never really met you before today I always thought that was weird because how do you be so united on a vision over eight years and rapid growth yeah um, tell us a bit about how this came about yeah um, and you know I'm sure that's what you did. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. that. Definitely that. No, what? Um, so we, when we joined forces early before Vino, it was, um, uh, it was uh, he was my brother-in-law. So came together. He was very different skill set. So he's more kind of copywriting, creative kind of brain, and um, I'm very much business entrepreneurial kind of big picture strategy side. And so the combination of those two was remarkably good yeah. early, and especially when you have to be a generalist and do so much with under-resourced, um, you need as many people as you can doing all the things that they're good at. That was the start. As you grow and you can get more people doing specialist roles, then it became less and less um, uh, uh, require, a requirement to have both doing that. We're still very aligned with the direction, we always have been. So we just got to a point now we've been doing it for eight years, um, it's probably time to go solve. Um, and so we had that conversation, had a conversation with the board, decision was made. I'm, I'm the one, Andre's gone to um, start his own thing um, called Cold Tribal, and I'm sure he'll do really well. Um, he's still a director, so he's still on the board. He's obviously still an investor. Um, so that's just where I went to. Um, I just want to touch base on one of your investments, Clover. I've yep. heard recently a great talk about online trust and how trust is escalated online. It can also be breached really quickly. Yep. Um, Clover's a, a, a platform that helps people save for their first mortgage or their first yeah. Um, and the comment that I heard about it was, you could have an investment firm that has the best asset managers in the world by far, mm. but if they still make you go to a meeting on level you know, level 80 at 101 Collins Street, yeah. and you get presented with guys in suits, mm. they're going to lose out to the guys who have a really sleek onboarding, online presence, mm. and kind of like that's the bit of Minamoto versus the big box retailers. Who, yeah, absolutely. So how, in your, like, I'm curious your thoughts on how that customer experience and that first point somebody has with your brand mm. impacts how important that is in modern business um well incredibly obviously um would, would be my opinion because <laughs> that's what we do but you know touching on clover it's also index-based low-cost fund you know manager so it's like the fees are cheaper um, and the performance of that compared to the other fund managers is generally far better historically over all the funds you know so there's there's other benefits but the the um, user experience is, is super sleek too and I think it's incredibly important. And also the brand part, like what, what message you're sending in that instant, because it is an instant. You know, you get like a couple of seconds at best to kind of tell your story very quickly and get them to encourage them to go deeper. So I think it's incredibly important. People are, I order my coffee on Uber now because I can't be bothered getting out of my bed, <laughs> getting in a car and driving and getting my coffee. I'm not going to be judgmental. <laughs> yes, you are. I, I can see your judgment well, lies. Get a get a Nescafe and espresso. You know, it's yeah. 140 bucks. It feels like George Clooney's in the house. Yeah, you. you know, I, I actually we just bought one because of the. Um, wedding I would mean the wedding registry. Yeah. It's on but, everyone's wedding yeah, registry. Yeah, I know. And you know, I got what? three of them. Do you? Yeah. Well, I I just oh, no for our wedding we got three. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh God. Um, but I just I like real coffee. Like I like the real stuff. I like getting it made by a barista. I like uh, barista. I like having um I like having fresh experience. I, like, I don't know. It's just. A bit of a thing with coffee, but that's kind of off topic. But what am I pointing out? The Adelaide making? boy spent too much time in Melbourne, I yeah, think. Yeah, he has. He has he's, he's been here a decade now. It's, yeah. my, it's definitely Melbourne rubbing off on me. <laughs> but um, my, my point was um, convenience. Yeah. And it, anything, everything needs to be as easy as it possibly can. 
It's simple to understand. It's simple to use um, because people adjust their expectations have gone remarkably high with that. So if I'm, I don't want to go to the 80th floor of 101 either. Like I don't want to get in a car, park the car, walk down the street, go up a building where I can log on to something like Clover or something like Vino, click of a button, it's beautiful, it's sleek, it's sexy, the service is amazing, and order within 10 seconds. You know, we've got a one-click buy button. You can see it, you can get her an email, click through, click buy, it's done. Like, that's remarkable, and that's great, and people love it. Amazing, mate. Um, any final messages to people who are listening? People are listening are growing their businesses. Um, say something, inspire us. Oh, jeez, no pressure. Um, I, when I talk to people about like the journey and the lessons learned, one of the ones that I keep going back to is progress over perfection. Progress over perfection. Don't wait for your product to be perfect to release it because you learn so much more in the market than you'll ever learn thinking about it yourself. So progress over perfection, just ship it and learn. You know, VinaMofa was the fourth iteration of the online wine business. Had we waited to get it perfect, we'd still be sitting on quaff. Yeah. Mate, thank you very much for your time.